Why 480? It's the number that drives our work lives. 480 minutes. That's all you have every workday. And the decisions that you make each minute can change everything. When you plan out your business goals over the next two years, that's only 480 workdays to get it done. In your entire 40-year career, you've only got 480 months to make an impact with your work. Time is the limit we can't control. Because time is your most precious resource. This is the Leadership 480 Podcast. Hi, I'm Beth Alms, and I'm your host today for Leadership 480, the podcast that's all about making the most of every moment of leadership. Today is about one of the biggest moments of transformation in your career you might ever have, that moment when you become an executive. And I have a really special guest with me here today, Matt Pace. Now, Matt is not only an executive himself, but he has coached hundreds of executives in his in his lifetime and really knows the ins and outs of uh, what it takes to get to that executive level. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Beth. So I mentioned that moment when, you know, becoming an executive, what happens when you become an executive. Have you... What have you ever heard of like this is the moment I actually first felt like an executive? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it sounds like, you know, uh, uh, a fog rolls in and yes. you, uh, the air changes and suddenly a sound happens and you feel a jolt and, and you you're become in a an executive. Suit now, you know? Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's really probably not quite that distinct. Um, but I'm recalling a woman I, I worked with uh, several years ago. Um, she's a general manager at a big consumer products company, and um, I remember her talking about her her transition. And she had she had just become a GM, mm-hmm. a general manager, and and she said, you know, my office changed. I, like I had this new office, and um, my comp plan was a little bit different, and. Um, I had a car stipend, and I was sort of noticing these things that changed, and it it felt good. And I was like attending meetings where there were people who usually I only heard about the meetings Mm -hmm. after I saw them coming out of the meetings, and I wondered what they had said in the meetings. And now all of a sudden I was in some of those. And so I had this general feeling like there's all these little signals Mm -hmm. that it was that I was more important now, or I was doing something more important. And she said, I she said, I think during the transition. I thought those were the things that were that were what I was going to feel. And then what actually happened is I had my first performance conversation with my new boss. And we sat down and we created a performance plan. And we actually, it wasn't in the meeting. It was when I, maybe it was a day or two after. I remember her sort of looking out the window telling this story. And she was remembering the whole day or two after she had had her first performance conversation. And what she had in her head was, you know, the metrics of success, the numbers she was going to have to achieve, Mm -hmm. the changes she was going to have to make. And it started to hit her. Not that these were big objectives. I think she knew when she accepted the job what the job was. What started to hit her was how little control she had over so much of this. Because Mm -hmm. she had come from, I think it was like a district manager position. So now she had a bunch of district managers reporting to her. And she knew how to be successful in one of those jobs. But you can imagine she was probably one of the best ones. And now she's thinking, okay, I I gotta get all these DMs to do what I used to do really well. The numbers are getting big. The objectives are feeling daunting. She's not sure if the whole team has bought on to her as a leader yet. She's new. She's early in her career. She feels like this is a big challenge. And so I think this example of, of 
what it feels like to become an executive, I'd call it just a couple of things. One is it really hits home when you start to talk about performance metrics mm-hmm. and, and what you're going to be measured against. And what I think takes people's breath away occasionally is that I don't have as much direct control over this as as I might have had in my prior jobs, which means you have to think about how you're going to do it. How am I going to motivate everyone to do this? So here's the interesting part now, because now the next part is the instinct is to start telling people what you would have done or to direct people to do something new, tell, direct, create assignments. You know, it's like, just tell everyone this word tell. And, and that doesn't work. You know, no one wants to be told what to do. And this is why so many people, when they get into executive jobs, say, I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, I, di- I didn't realize what I was going to have to think differently about to get my job done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I guess I had always thought it's the moment you get the car, but I guess it's not. It's the moment you feel like you're drowning that, you you know, this is the executive yeah, feeling. Yeah, you're drowning in your car is what's actually <laughs> right. happening. So tell, th- tell me a little bit more then about that, that transition of what surprises people when they get into executive roles. So not just, so yeah, there's the I never, you know, leading other high-level leaders, I can imagine, is certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nothing like leading individual contributors. These are other highly yeah. ambitious people. But what else surprises executives when they finally get into that role, whether that's director or vice president or senior vice president or whatever the organization defines an executive as? You know, this is, um, at the risk of calling it a broken record, and I, I don't mean to sound like um, like I know it all because I don't, but we observe we observe this thing happen over and over again in a lot of organizations and it's that people who hit this level of executive and it's it's characterized by jobs like general general manager or vice president or director you know they they tend to be jobs that have a level of complexity and there's not somebody telling you what to do at all and there's no roadmap for how to be successful in your job other than maybe what somebody did before which is probably going to change so there's all this ambiguity that starts to happen and for all the many, many people who've struggled with this transition, people who come into it don't expect to be surprised, even though almost everyone is. <laughs> somehow, somehow, when you're successful as a middle manager, you, you have all these wins in your, in your background. Yeah. And I think you're in the habit of winning. Someone gives you a new assignment, and you try really hard, and you succeed, and it goes well. And then they give you another one, and you try really hard, and you succeed, and it goes well. And you're in this sort of winning cycle. You're winning and winning. And then you get promoted. And once that job hits this threshold of ambiguity and difficulty, all of a sudden that cycle of of winning gets interrupted, and it really causes people to go, whoa, what's going on? And so now you've got people who generally are really smart, they're talented, they do have a good amount of experience, and they probably have some confidence that comes with it. So, you know, I've solved things before, I'll solve it again, I'll figure this out. And they keep working themselves into patterns that often have to be undone. And, and so I think what people often say, the back to your question, what surprises people? What surprises people is, is what didn't dawn on them until right. they were really into some dilemma, like um, I'm not involving my stakeholders enough, or I'm not building a network strongly enough, or I'm not working through people. I'm trying to do it all myself. I'm not working through other people. I guess I thought I knew what a strategy was, but I don't really think I have a good idea of what I should do to build a strategy. These are the kinds of things that people 
they think they know, and they do know a part of it. I don't mean to diminish the past experiences that people have, really smart, capable people, but it it just gets complicated. It gets tricky, and, and people get surprised by what didn't dawn on them. Yeah, I, that's really helpful in thinking about, you know, if people are feeling this way, they're, they're certainly not alone. If you've just gotten promoted to an executive job, you are, you know, they call it, there's imposter syndrome, right? Like a lot of people all of a sudden are like, I don't think I should be here. Do you see that a lot? Yes, a lot. Um, and very privately for mm-hmm. a lot of people. And it manifests in very different ways. You know, some people are very raw and they'll just come out and tell you, I just think I'm not doing very well. Um, other people will mask it with different kinds of behaviors. You know, if you take one factor, which is just the amount of confidence that someone has, a more confident person is going to try more things and enact more different strategies without asking somebody else for input. Um, a more curious person is going to ask for a lot of input. A person who has more self-doubt is going to question their their approaches and take more time. But, um, you know, people... People, again, these are these are talented people. They got promoted for a reason, you know. Yeah. They succeeded somewhere, and managed to do some things well enough for people to say, "Gee, she could do it." And and so you get promoted into this job, and all of a sudden, the complexities of it start to cause you to have to try some different approaches. Or what is often the case is it causes people to have to recognize habitual patterns about themselves that maybe they didn't shine a light on before. So if you take the person who, I don't know, let's take somebody who's argumentative. And, and you know, maybe this is a person who, coming up in their career, they're a person who was really known for noticing the stuff that wasn't quite right. And they would, they would call it out and say, you know what, there's a process problem we have over there and we better fix it. And so maybe this leader is a person who got the reputation as the one who cleaned up the messes all the time. Yeah. Now let's put her into an executive role where she's having to critique a series of operations that report into her. And what it feels like to people who work for her is she's always criticizing us or she's always noticing that one thing out of 40 that isn't right, even though 39 yeah. are correct. And now she's surprised. She doesn't realize that this pattern that was previously really useful and really helpful as an executive is suddenly something that people notice as something that's getting in the way of her effectiveness. That's so interesting. So, and you bring up an interesting topic about how personality comes into this. You know, if there's kind of an executive, I don't want to say an executive personality, but there are, I'm sure there are certain traits that lend themselves well to other things. And, um, you know, it's fascinating hearing about, you know, we see a ton of like Everybody sees tests online and things like this. You know, this is your personality. This is how you would, and and you want to start to make these connections between, okay, if I have this personality, then I would make a good executive or I wouldn't make Mm -hmm. a good executive. Do you see those common personality traits? Totally. We we do. Absolutely. And, you know, psychologists are really bad comedians. And (laughs) we sometimes tell this terrible joke, hey, it's just your personality. You can always cover it up with behavior. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Um, And... That's what my personality report said, Matt. So you should just <laughs> tread lightly there. When we, when they read my personality, I think I think they told me like basically you have, you have terrible tendencies, but you cover it up with good sense, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, Beth, I tell you though, it's it's um, you know, personality is something that people love to talk about because it's kind of this invisible thing that's inside of everyone, and it seems like 
these psychologist type people can measure it kind of like height and weight and but I can't measure it you need some special instrumentation and testing and inventories to go do it so what's this hocus pocus behind personality and what do I need to know about it well it's really pretty simple I I think and it's that you know we all we all have part of who we are that's hardwired in us and we should be careful about about how it comes to life when we get big jobs so we said earlier that you know your job is is as an executive increasing the ang- the the ambiguity and for some anxiety is part of it too but but ambiguity is the thing i would really want to focus on because you know the more you're not sure what to do the less you can manage your own behavior and that means that you're just going to become who you are mm. so so if you anytime somebody gets concentrating on something you give somebody a task like juggling and you know, try to have them manage their personality while they're juggling if they've never juggled before, and they're not going to be able to do it because right. they're going to spend all their time thinking about juggling, right? Right. So this is not unlike being an executive. Things get so complex, and your mind is so full, and you're so busy, and you're always on, and somebody's always asking you a question, and on and on and on, that managing your personality and being able to present a good version of yourself and to have, in quotes, good behavior it's challenging. We're all going to make mistakes. Every person who has a personality is going to make some mistakes eventually. It's just that when you become an executive, whatever your personality is, that's going to come out. So take this argumentative person that we're using as an imaginary example. Um, this is a person who may, maybe no one told her that this is part of what makes her interesting and fascinating and talented and also what makes her run into trouble because people notice her for seeming argumentative. Maybe we could just change the word to critical or <laughs> discerning right. or you know, having a smart eye for what needs to be fixed. All these would be fair characteriz- characterizations of her personality. But it is true, Beth, you, you can measure it and you can know where people tend to you know, have polarities in their personality. And it can be very useful for people to know before or right when they're making a transition into an executive role what is unique about their personalities because they'll they'll often think of examples in the past where they say, oh, yeah, I probably do have to watch out for that. And in lesser jobs that aren't so complicated, they might not get noticed as challenges, but then you give somebody a big job when they're juggling mm-hmm. and then they get noticed. So... I, I recognize this will be an oversimplification, but are there any personality traits that are um, either, you know, pretty much every executive kind of has to have this or vice versa that are just, you know, if you if you have this trait and you know this about yourself, an executive job is just probably not for you? Yeah, um, that's a very, very interesting question because it does go to where we do have some data about executives and where there tend to be more and less uh, frequencies mm-hmm. of, of people that, that that load in certain factors. So for example, um, there's something we measure that's, that's basically a measure of someone's leadership energy. We call it ambition. And it's, it's not only about your leadership energy, but it includes very principally the extent to which you really want to lead and you really want to compete and you want to get out there and get after it. And we tend to see executives with, in general, very high scores on ambition. Because as you might imagine, 
if you have a low ambition score, you might be willing to tolerate a less competitive environment. You might like it when you can, you know, when you can have a more predictable environment periodically. It's not a it's not a bad characteristic. It just may not fuel your leadership energy mm-hmm. as much. Another one, particularly in Western cultures that we see a lot, is um, there's a lot of executives who really like the spotlight. And this mm-hmm. is particularly true right on up to CEO. Um, you see that across levels of leadership, interest in attention, or um, we call it attention-seeking behavior, which makes it sound like lampshade on the head, and I don't mean it like that. Um, It's just a handy term for people who, when they face challenges, they tend to draw attention to themselves, and they really take a personal responsibility in it, and they draw their own identity from the challenges that they face, and so they get very personally wrapped up in things. That can be healthy, right? Because if you're going to be an executive and you've got big responsibilities and you're going to lead a lot of other people, you better not be afraid of attention. You know, that could be a real problem. But in Western culture in particular, we see a lot of really big attention-seeking scores. Mm -hmm. Um, We also see people who are a little bit more impulsive in in leadership roles. We tend to see some confidence, you might call it arrogance, in some leadership roles. And these things have both healthy and dangerous aspects to them. Yes, I want confidence. Yes, I want some, um, I called it impulsive, but some action orientation. I want yeah. people who are a little bit impatient. I want people who, who are interested in, in or, or are okay with attention. That's all okay, but taken too far, you can yeah. you can have challenges. So it's I guess it's all about the degree. Um, so one of the things I love about talking to you, Matt, is you bring the perspective of just you know the hundreds of executives you've worked with, knowing that this is these things are true across the board. Uh, you know, making us feel like you know <laughs> if you're going through this, you're certainly you're certainly not the only one. But I want to ask you a little bit about your own executive experience. So you're a senior VP. What has surprised you about the being an executive. Hmm. That's, that's, it's always interesting when you turn the microscope inward, isn't it, and you try to think <laughs> about your own journey. Um, and it, I appreciate the question because, you know, um, for me, I, I think I'm probably not unlike other leaders who um, I, I try to find some meaning in what I'm doing. And we all, I think, earlier in our, our careers try to say, I want to go make this difference in the world. You know, I want to go. I want to go make that really important thing happen for human beings, or for communities, or for you know whatever it is, or for business. You know, whatever it is, the th- whatever your thing is, we go get into careers for a reason. And I think um, one of the things that's challenging when you get into more of a senior leadership role is finding the connections between why you're doing what you're doing and the evidence that it's actually happening. Yeah. And I think we have to become patient with incremental progress, and we have to find the connections between, for example, um, you know, I think a common thing for a lot of leaders, and I'll, I'll use myself as the example since you asked, I think it sometimes is counterintuitive that what I should do right now Instead of going and sitting by myself and working on something and figuring it out and coming up with an answer in my own mind, it's probably time better spent if I sit down with someone else and ask them to help me with it, hmm. even if it might slow me down or even if I might not be totally confident in their capability to do it. My investment in the growth and development other, of other people, even though I can't see 
how that affects that big why that I have, whatever the meaning right. is I'm yep. looking for. I can't connect that right now. But if I sit back and I really think about it and I'm trying to make the biggest investment I can in this thing I'm going to do, I have to realize that if I just try and do it all myself and I try and sit in my corner and think it through and be the decider or, you know, be the inventor, be the one, be the guy, you know, mm-hmm. I, in those moments, I'm probably going to fracture my ability to achieve what I really want to. So becoming an executive, one of the lessons, I guess, is actually asking for help more often than you might have previously, which is definitely counterintuitive to what I would have thought. That's a, that's a perfect summary. It, it, it is exactly asking for help and having the courage and insight to recognize that it's probably more a sign of strength to be asking for help than it is a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. So as you transition to executive, whether in your current role or previous, you know, years and years, there have been many transitions along the way, I'm sure. Has there ever been a moment that just surprised you, an experience of, you know, that you thought this is, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that feeling of being in over your head or that moment of transformation. Did you have that at any point? You know, I can remember one of the very first times that I was, um, in front of a board of directors, and we had done some assessment. This was a um, a manufacturing company, um, pretty pretty big manufacturing company. You know, not you know several billion in revenues. You're not a huge company, but also not an insignificant company. You know, thousands of employees, and um, the chairman of the board looked at me and said, of the three or four candidates they had for CEO, who do you think our best candidate is? And I I remember um, wanting to, at that moment, have all my answers be about the data mm-hmm. that were there. I wanted it all to be about the evidence. And I didn't want to personally weigh in on that decision because I was afraid to make an irresponsible decision or to make the wrong one or to make a comment that somebody would take too far. I didn't want to be irresponsible about about decision making that I saw as you know, I was we were privileged to be part of it to offer a point of view and to help in the decision making, but I was nervous about about the gravity of that kind of a question. Yeah. Which person is the right person? And I didn't want to answer that question, but I also knew I had been coached by the CHRO that if I didn't answer that question, the board of directors would not think of us as good coaches, good right. good advisors. They're looking to you for answers, yeah. They're looking for an answer, that's right. And so so I remember at that moment having to really think about what's the what's the most responsible way to talk about this. And um I guess I guess the message for me in that you know your question was was there a surprise moment? Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised at how cautious and and careful one has to be to be helpful mm-hmm. and responsible all at the same time. And um, you know we we as as a leadership organization and psychologists who do measurement we do gather data that not just anyone can gather. Um, and we have a responsibility to present it in the right ways, 
but we also are joining a dialogue. We're joining a story that's somebody else's organization, somebody else's career, somebody else's team, um, somebody else's business. And so in those moments when we join, uh, I, I think the surprise for me was um, how, how careful we have to be in order to add the right kind of value in, in those situations. So for other others who may be preparing for their first executive role, what advice do you have for them? Where do they, where do they get started in, in getting ready to be an executive? You know, this might sound trite, but it is really um, plan to take the journey inward in, ter- mm-hmm. in, cl- in, in addition to upward. Um, I think uh, it's totally fine. And frankly, it's great when people are eager for that next assignment. And, you know, I remember working with one CEO in the oil and petroleum industry who said that he knew he wanted to be a CEO when he was seven years old. Wow. I know. I had never met anyone like that who, who, so, who knew that Any seven-year-olds who are like, I got to be an I gotta be an oil CEO. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and he, he didn't have a mother or father who had been CEO. It wasn't like there was a family member. He just knew it. And, and that's terrific. You know, I think if you have that kind of career clarity and you know yeah. what you want, terrific. That's great. And so ambition is not a bad thing. But I think ambition in the absence of introspection can be dangerous. And so my advice to people is that the best leaders, not just CEOs, but if you're aspiring to a senior leadership kind of role and you're looking to have a big impact, from the work that we've done and all the leaders that we've seen, there's just no question that the ones who have most effectively and rigorously engaged in introspection, trying to figure out who am I, why am I doing this, what is likely to happen when I exert myself as a leader, good and bad. The people who go through the work of doing that have the best leadership journeys. I think they have the most fulfilling ones and the ones with the most impact. Thank you. That's very helpful and, well, maybe not helpful because I think the outward journey is more as much easier than the inward one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably right. Thank you so much, Matt. This was really helpful getting to know uh, more about becoming an executive and, and where that is on our, on our career path. So for those of you who are of our listeners who are thinking about becoming an executive, um, it's a tough road ahead. Be prepared to, I guess, look inward before, <laughs> before it's all about the outward performance. So thank you, Matt, for joining us today. And thank all of you for spending some of your time with us today. Uh, This is Beth Alms reminding you to make every moment of leadership count.